The phrase, the writing on the wall, is a popular idiom that means something bad is about to happen. It comes from the Bible in Daniel chapter 5 and refers to a time when the supernatural hand of God wrote a cryptic message to a drunken Babylonian king named Belshazzar. God is patient, but there comes a time when he says, the party's over. He was about to strip the kingdom from the hands of a shameless and sacrilegious king who defied the God of Israel. Presuming upon the Lord is always a dangerous thing to do. The best and only response to God's writing on the wall is repentance, a complete change in direction. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. Will America be in the last days of planet Earth? Answers come your way next on this Monday edition of Something Good. Hello and welcome to another great week of teaching with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian, thanks for stopping by. Well, America is becoming a more godless culture by the day, which begs the question, what will happen to the United States? Does it play a role in Bible prophecy? And if so, what is that role? Ron offers his insight today as he continues his teaching series, Standing Strong. Online, we have a brand new website at somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to the program on your schedule or make a safe and secure donation to the ministry. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Daniel chapter five, here's Ron with part two of his message, The Man Who Could Not Be Bought. All of the human sources we go to to solve the problems of our day, to solve our personal problems, to solve our, uh, our country's problems, to solve the geopolitical problems of our day and our age, all of those human sources will ultimately fail. But when you get to the end of yourself and the end of your human resources and all the wise guys and wise gals that you've sought short of seeking out God, Eventually, you call the preacher. Maybe the preacher has an answer here. And this is what the queen mother's doing. Son, you, you, you need to call Daniel, just like your grandfather did. And so uh, Daniel comes. Uh, why isn't he already there at the party? I mean, why, why wasn't he invited? Some speculate that Daniel's been in exile, or maybe he's retired. Again, it's about 23 years between chapter 4 and chapter 5. Daniel's in his 80s by now. He's a senior statesman. Uh, we're reaching the, uh, the end of the 70 years of Babylonian captivity that was prophesied, okay? So again, maybe Daniel's in exile, maybe he's in retirement. Belshazzar reaches out to Daniel, speaks to them as, as though he's speaking to him for the first time. Gives you some indication that Belshazzar was not like his grandfather. It says in verse 17, then Daniel answered and said before the king, and this is, this, is, this is after Daniel has been brought before Belshazzar and he reviews some of the history with Nebuchadnezzar, you know, your grandfather this and your grandfather that. Daniel basically says to Belshazzar, you never learn the lessons of your grandfather. 
And Belshazzar says to Daniel, I'm going to cut you the same deal I offered to the Chaldeans. If you can interpret that dream back there, that vision back there, then I will you know, shower you with wealth and I'll make you the third ruler of the kingdom. And Daniel answers him, verse 17, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. <laughs> this is why I call Daniel the man who could not be bought. Basically, he says, Belshazzar, keep your bribes. I'm not for sale. And this is what we love about Daniel. This is why Daniel is such an example to us of somebody who stands strong in his faith. He is a man of great courage and great competence. He has risen to the, the pinnacle of success as a, as a Hebrew in a Babylonian culture. And he's a, he's a man of great character. While others could be bought and sold at for a price, while others could be bribed, Daniel says, keep that stuff to yourself but I'm going to interpret the vision for you, king. And, and here's the summary of it. The party's over. The party's over. Daniel goes on in verse 18, O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. And because of the greatness that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. He goes on to review the history of his grandfather again. Again, reminding him, you have not learned the lessons of your grandfather. Verse 22, and you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all of this, but you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. And he goes on to describe the putrid sacrilegiousness of Belshazzar's actions of taking the sacred vessels and using them to toast the gods, the pagan gods of Babylon. Let's just pause right here for a moment. Has God put in proximity to you anybody who is a godly example? You who may identify with Belshazzar more than Daniel, has God put anybody near you who is a godly example? A father, a mother, a grandfather, a grandmother, maybe a friend, maybe a neighbor, somebody who is a godly example, but you never learned the lesson from them. Maybe it's somebody who had a, a past that was uh, really difficult. They learned some hard lessons like Nebuchadnezzar did, but they eventually came to faith. And here this person is in proximity to you, and God has put that person there for you to learn the lessons, but no. You haven't learned the lessons. You've remained in your arrogance. Uh, this is what Belshazzar does. And uh, it's a painful, painful lesson for him to learn. Daniel goes on in verse 24 now to uh, interpret the vision. Then from his presence the hand was sent and this writing was inscribed. Now, now Belshazzar, in his inebriated state, is leaning forward. This is, this is what he, he wanted, the interpretation. Daniel says, this is the writing that was inscribed, mene, mene, tekel, and parson. This is the interpretation of the matter. Mene, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. 
In other words, Belshazzar, the party's over. The party's over. Somebody once interpreted this way, your number is up because, King, you don't measure up, and now your kingdom is broken up. No wonder the color left the king's face. No wonder he was fearful, even though he didn't know the interpretation of it. And as Daniel delivers the interpretation, it's, it's not a good message. Daniel speaks to Belshazzar with a tone that I, you don't hear him using with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar at least had a heart that was a little bit pliable, that every time something happened, yeah, you know, Daniel, you're God. He is the one true God. You know, it took a while for that to stick with Nebuchadnezzar. Belshazzar has taken the, the evil and the paganism of the Babylonian culture. He is, he is fully into it. He, he, has, he has drunk it up full. And now, now the night has come. Verse 30, that very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. From the standpoint of Daniel chapter 2 and Nebuchadnezzar's dream, we've now gone from gold to silver, just as God predicted, just as Jeremiah the prophet predicted from the Lord as well. I mean, this prediction was out there. And um, Belshazzar not only didn't learn the lessons of his grandfather, but he was like that drunken king made mention of in uh, Proverbs chapter 3 who didn't pay attention to the decrees of God. And it caught up with him one day. Still ahead, the rest of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Man Who Could Not Be Bought, right here on Something Good Radio. Somethinggoodradio.org is the place to go to hear any of Ron's messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And when you stop by, make sure to check out our online store for a host of great resources, including books and DVDs from Dr. Ron Jones. Something Good exists only through your prayers and financial support. When you give a gift to Something Good Radio today, we'll give you the complete audio download to the series you're hearing now, Standing Strong. That's all seven messages in Ron's teaching series, Standing Strong. We'll be sharing this content with our monthly partners, but today it's our thank you gift to you as well for your gift to Something Good Radio. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. Now let's get back to Ron for the second half of today's message, The Man Who Could Not Be Bought. Now, a lot of parties that you go to have what are called party favors, right? They're kind of take-homes for the party, maybe a goblet, you know, with the name of the party and the date on there and it commemorates that. Maybe you get a t-shirt or some other kind of party favor that the party organizers come up with. So I've got some party favors for us, some take-home party favors by way of applications and principles that we can learn. Uh, the first is this, excellent character wins. It wins over and over and over again. In God's time and in God's way, when you do what is right like Daniel did, character wins. Look at verse 29. 
Then Belshazzar gave the command, and Daniel was clothed with purple. A chain of gold was put around his neck, and a proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. I mean, Daniel is this man who's just got impeccable character. We're going to learn next week in Daniel chapter 6, the great story of Daniel in the lion's den, that there was a something like a congressional investigation that was set up to find something, some dirt on Daniel by which they could throw him into the lion's den. They could find nothing on this guy except that he prayed to his God, and I guess that was against the law. He's, he's one of these guys in the Bible that you go, you know, how, how do I… How do I rise to the level of a Daniel, you know? He's just a man of impeccable character. He always does what is right, doesn't count the cost against himself. His three friends did the same thing. His character wins. His character wins in the end. God honors that. A second uh, take-home party favor goes like this. Empires rise and fall by the decreed will of God. That's one of the overarching themes of Daniel. It, it is God who raises up kings and raises up empires for his own sovereign purposes, and he puts them down for his own sovereign purposes in his own sovereign time as well. We see this in the dream that was interpreted in Daniel chapter 2, the first portion of it that was fulfilled in Daniel chapter 5. We see it in Jeremiah's prophecy. We'll see it as we continue on in a study, Daniel 7 through 12, and really get into the end of the age and Bible prophecy from our point in time in history. But it begs the question, what about the United States of America? I mean, well… We're not a world empire, but we're a superpower, right? We got the biggest, strongest military on the planet. Nobody's going to come overtake us, but we could just as easily fall. The Roman Empire didn't fall because there was another empire that had a stronger military that came against them. The Medes came against the Babylonians, and the Grecians came against the Medes and the Persians. And, and the Romans came against Greece, but nobody came against Rome. Rome just crumbled from within for a whole host of reasons. And we look forward in Bible prophecy to the end of the age to a revived Roman Empire. We'll talk more about that as time goes on. But here, here we are in the 21st century, living in the United States of America, this superpower and we, we know from Bible prophecy and history that superpowers and empires don't last forever. Most democracies only last a few hundred years. Are we in the twilight of our time as a nation? That's a fair question to ask. I'll go on record as saying I really don't see the United States of America specifically in Bible prophecy from this time forward to the end of the age, what happens to America? We, we can speculate about that all day long. I just know this, God will not tolerate defiant arrogance and, and the sacrilegious treatment of His, his truths and His principles. I, I begin to shake and shudder on the inside when I read headlines recently 
about some elected officials that are now on record in favor of infanticide. Are you kidding me? We're talking about the murder of born children, not just children in the womb, unborn yet. Abortion is, is what it is you know, all the way back to the moment of conception, but now we're talking about something that only ancient civilizations who were pagan and devolved did. The sacrifice of children? Are you kidding me? And we now have officials that are on record saying, oh yeah, and hide behind a woman's right to choose and all of that. Do not defy the one true and living God and think that you can get away with it forever. And we can, we can line up all hosts, a whole host of reasons why America can say, God bless America, but listen, we've we got to be blessable <laughs> to be in a place where we're worthy of God's blessing. And this is a time, friends, this is a time for God's people to pray. I mean, Daniel made a difference. He was God's man in a godless culture. And our culture has become very Babylonian. It just has. And it hasn't taken but, you know, less than a generation to get there. The mighty Roman Empire took about 70 or 80 years for it to completely fall. Started in about 375 A.D. and by 470 some A.D., scholars say it was gone. Takes about that long. Sometimes overnight, you know, like the Medes and the Persians who came and uh, took over the Babylonians. But so sometimes these superpowers, they, they take some time. I don't know what God's going to do with America, but here's what I say. It's time for God's people to pray for two things, for revival in His church, all right? And, and when we pray for revival, that starts at the house of God. Revival starts here. Spiritual awakenings happen out there in the culture among the unbelievers, but revival must start at home with God's people. God, revive our hearts. Cleanse us from anything that is not rightly related to you. And that begins with you and me personally and us collectively as a church family and across the globe as the body of Christ. And then we pray for a great spiritual awakening from sea to shining sea. There have been two, maybe three spiritual awakenings in the history of our country. We need another one, friends. Or I, I don't see this going well for our country because God will not tolerate such defiance. For long. He is a patient and long-suffering God. But He decrees the rise and the fall of empires or superpowers. And finally, the last take-home party favor, only a fool defies God. Belshazzar was the king of the mighty Babylonian empire. He had that on his resume, but he was a fool. A fool in every sense of the word, a drunken, morally debased, sacrilegious fool. And he reminds me of a guy that Jesus told a story about in Luke chapter 12 known as the rich fool. You remember this guy? The rich fool who had no orientation in his life to God, but he, oh, he had learned how to make some money. And he was a rich fool because he tore down all of his barns and built bigger silos for bigger, you know, stores of grain. But he, he was rich, but he wasn't rich toward God. And the angel of the Lord came to him and said, tonight, tonight your soul is required of you. And as quickly as Belshazzar died, the rich fool died. I, I, I see a 
comparison. What the rich fool is in Jesus' parable in Luke chapter 12, Belshazzar is, is a kingly rich fool. And oh, it's a, it's a warning to all of us, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's an encouragement for us to stand strong in our faith like Daniel did. But it's also a warning to learn the lessons of Nebuchadnezzar, to learn the lessons of Belshazzar, to learn the lessons of the Babylonian Empire, not to mention the Medo-Persian, the Grecian, the Roman Empire, and to learn all the lessons of Bible prophecy. It's time for the church to wake up. It's time for the church to pray. Time for the church to be revived. It's time for our nation to be awakened be one nation under God again. Let's pray to that end. Thanks so much for stopping by for today's Something Good Radio message, The Man Who Could Not Be Bought. Ron, you talked briefly about the steady moral decline here in America, and you also challenged the church to wake up. Let's talk specifically about what Christians in this country can do to reverse some of the alarming cultural trends we've been seeing for the past several decades. Brian, the key to any reversal in this regard is spelled out rather clearly in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Here's what God says, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Notice he doesn't say everyone in a given nation must repent and turn from their wicked ways. No, he specifically says, my people who are called by my name. Now, of course, we should be out there sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with those who do not believe. But in order for a revival to take place here in America, the only requirement is that those of us who have already accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior Well, that we begin to humble ourselves, to seek the face of God, and turn from our wicked ways. If we do that, then he will heal this nation. And I believe that promise, Brian. There's no doubt in my mind that this can be done. But the church has got to decide to make a concerted effort to do what God is telling us to do. Anything resembling a national revival or a spiritual awakening has to begin with those who are already believers in Jesus. We certainly cannot rely on unbelievers who don't know God to all of a sudden begin behaving godly. And God himself understands this, which is why he specifically calls on his people, his church, to humble ourselves, to pray, and to repent. Because if the church will do that, then evangelism will take care of itself. Others will come to faith in Christ when they see the church behaving like the church is supposed to. And I don't mean to suggest the church is is doing nothing. I'm merely saying it can do better. There needs to be some genuine godly sorrow on the part of we believers in Jesus Christ. And I think some of that has been missing in this age of prosperity teaching. And I'm convinced that some, in an effort to escape legalism, have wandered too close to license. And the grace of God has sometimes been taken beyond biblical proportions. That needs to change, and when it does, hearts will change. Unbelievers will come to the faith. Uh, Believers will begin to grow in their faith. And if and when that day comes, we will see revival here in America. That's God's promise, and I believe it. 
Thanks so much for those great final thoughts, Ron. Now, your next message, which will air over the next two days here on Something Good, will close out the current series, Standing Strong. What can you tell us about that message? Well, Brian, tomorrow I'm headed to Daniel chapter 6. Now, this is a well-known story right up there with David and Goliath, because this is when Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. It's an iconic story. But there are some great practical lessons we can learn from the story and about Daniel himself. Four things emerge about his character that make him a hero worth imitating. And for the next couple of days, as I wrap up my series, Standing Strong, I want to talk about those four things and in doing so, show us how we can escape our own lion's den. Let's face it, Brian, we've all got at least one lion's den experience, either in our past or in our future. My hope is that this next message will help people navigate their way through it the way Daniel did. That's next time when Ron shares his message inside the lion's den. Join us then for something good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. God bless and thanks for listening.